You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Great to have you with us here today. We're just going to keep on our series we're doing. It's a trap, and I just want to share a few thoughts around it's a trap of loneliness. During lockdown three and four, we were told to stay in our bubble, if possible, not to go out and leave home, don't mix with others, don't go out and except maybe for exercise or maybe essential services, not even to take the boat out and go fishing, so unbelievable, so bad. But the problem was that some had very little human contact and this caused other issues. For For some, the cure was worse than the sickness. Our neighbours were really great and 10 o'clock each morning we would get our coffee and uh, we would go out onto the street, keep our social distance, uh, but we would just check on each other just to make sure that we were okay, anybody needed anything at the shops, just looked after each other. But out of lockdown there have been studies that are investigating the effects of enforced isolation and other pandemic associated changes on the public. Even before COVID-19 began its global spread, Millions of people were already what researchers called to be socially isolated, separated from society, uh, from personal relationships, having little in communication with the outside world. According to European Union statistics, more than 7% of residents never met with friends or relatives except about once a year. Even surveys in the United Kingdom, meanwhile, they show half a million people over the age of 60, live every day alone. So sad. Scientific research has revealed a link between social isolation along with negative emotions that the loneliness brings, that accompanies it. Uh, It brings things like poor health, uh, different types of disease, premature mortality. It can cause obesity, cardiovascular problems. Uh, Social isolation is associated with the uh, risk of uh, cognitive decline and dementia, as well as mental health consequences such as depression and anxiety. Loneliness can be a real trap. God said at the opening of the first book in the first uh, book in the Bible, it said that it is not good for man to be alone. We are a social species. We need others to survive. November 2018, a professional U.S. uh, poker player called Richard Aliti bet $100,000 that he could survive alone for 30 days in total darkness. He was kept in a small, completely dark room, just had a bed, a fridge, and a bathroom. And even with these resources that he had to survive, Aliti could not last a month. After 20 days, he negotiated his release, taking a pay out of $62,400. See, there are countless negative effects that social isolation and extreme isolation can have on our minds and our bodies. Aliti reported that he experienced a range of side effects, including changes to his sleep cycle, hallucinations after just three to four days. Why is it so difficult for humans to withstand loneliness. One of the reasons is that living in isolation is difficult is because humans are social creatures. Socially isolated people are less able to deal with stressful situations. They're also more likely to feel depressed, 
have trouble processing information. This in turn can lead to difficulties with things like decision making, memory storage, recall. Researchers have found that a lonely person's immune system responds differently to fighting viruses and making them more likely, less likely to be able to cope with illnesses. During lockdown, many struggles, you struggled, you had to live with yourself, you had to live with just your own thoughts and loneliness in this situation can be very, very difficult. And I just want us this morning just to look at, uh, in the Bible, at a man that had got caught into this trap of loneliness. Elijah was a great man of God. He stood up to the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Uh, we went there when we were in Israel last year, a very interesting, nice place up on this mountain. And now he's alone. He's frightened. He's fleeing for his life. And so you got your notes there. First Kings chapter 19 and verse 1 to 9 says this. Says now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life, but when he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush and sat under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave, spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Alone, full of fear, sitting in a cave. What are you doing here, Elijah? I just want to take some points out of the story here that we can apply to ourselves. First thing I've got down here is that loneliness can distort your thinking. Loneliness can distort your thinking. For people that are training to go to places maybe like the Antarctica for a long season or uh, out into space, it's so important that they train for isolation. An astronaut that may be going to be up in space for a year or two, they train them to get their minds ready for isolation. They tell them to keep a routine. They say, now don't take the attitude like you're on a holiday, you're on a vacation, and you think, well, not much is going to be happening today. I think I might sleep in until lunchtime. And say, no, no, get up, get dressed, get yourself together, have a schedule, get yourself into a routine. Because isolation can be difficult to the brain. And if you're not ready for it, it can be even damaging. Some studies have been very graphic. They've talked about how isolation does things like makes the brain actually shrink. The memory stops functioning like it should. And all kinds of perils come up because you're in isolation. Loneliness can be difficult. 
There are prisoners that they put into solitary confinement and, and uh, for punishment they're left alone and, and these can be like murderers or violent criminals and, and yet they find them, they, they're emotionally broken down, they're, they're in a corner, you know, crouched up and all crying because they're not able to stand the isolation of being alone for such a long period of time. In fact, in the United Nations there is what they call the Nelson Mandela Rules and it states that keeping someone uh, in isolation for more than 15 days is torture. More than 15 days in isolation is classed as torture by United Nations. So here's Elijah. He's isolated in the cave. He was there because he was running from Jezebel and the threats that uh, she had over his life. And God comes along and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? We see there in verse 10, he goes on. He says, you know why I'm here? All the prophets of Baal have sought my life. They tried to kill me. They've killed all your prophets. I've torn down their altars. I had to run for my life. I'm the only one left in the whole country now that worships you. His mind is just running wild. He's just like exaggerating the situation. We can read in verse 18 that there were actually 7,000 people in Israel that had not bowed down to the idol Baal. But he's thinking, I'm the only one left. What was reality and what was going on inside of his mind were two different things. See, there are many people, you, know, you get yourself into a situation, you pull yourself into yourself, you think you're the only one left. You, you think nobody knows, nobody understands, nobody's been through what I've been through, nobody's had to put up with what I've had to put up with. I'm the only one left. And that pressure psychologists say, is enough to change the brain, to short-circuit the, the, the memory, to take away your ability to reason things out and to think and to function normally. No wonder God said, it is not good for man to meet alone, to be alone. You need to be around people to keep your own thinking sane. The Bible says that we are not to neglect meeting together. See, lockdown served a purpose. But it is important for our own sake, for our own mental health, that we don't just stay in a lockdown situation, but when the restrictions ease, that we make it a habit of meeting together. Second thing I want to bring out of this passage is that loneliness can be a false security. Loneliness can be a false security. He thinks he's hiding from Jezebel because there's a threat there that she's going to kill him. And she said, I'm, I'm going to kill you within 24 hours. She didn't didn't happen her threat was an empty threat but in the mind now we find here in his mind that Jezebel had become bigger than God see you may be hiding in your tri in your cave you're trying to escape you've got this imaginary threat you can be living your life under these thoughts well what if this happens to me what if that happens to me what if Jezebel gets me what if I lose my job what if I lose my marriage what if I run out of money what if I pick up this virus uh, uh, what if I pick up COVID-19 and you can be worried about a whole lot of stuff that really doesn't matter because God can handle your Jezebel God can handle your Jezebel. You know, God can handle your enemy. God can handle your anxiety. God can handle the things that you're worried about. God can handle the problem that you are facing. She said, by tomorrow, I'm going to do to you what you have done to them. But now it's way past tomorrow. Over 40 days have gone past. It's way over that. And she hadn't been able to do what she threatened to do. See, we can be hiding from imaginary threats. 
You look back and you think of all the times that God was with you, that, that the times that God helped you to escape from snares that, that you were feeling, that you were trapped in. The number of times that God made a way through obstacles that you thought were there uh, before you. You think about all the times that God kept you and protect you. You know, the enemy would, if he had his way, he would have tried to get you within 24 hours. But God has kept you day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. He is well able to keep you from your Jezebel. So he doesn't bring you to the cave to try and save you. That's not what he's got you in the cave for. He gets you into the cave to try and change your perspective. Here we find Elijah, the man who stood on mountaintops, the man who met with kings and queens, the man who confronted the prophets of Baal. He's the man who tore down the altars, the man who did all that, and he can deal with all of those things more than what he's able to deal with the trap of loneliness that he now finds himself in. He's trapped in loneliness. I I'm the only one left. See, Elijah's a good man, but he's all alone. He's a godly man. He's a praying man. He's an anointed man. He's a gifted man. And he's all alone. And he's trying to find God in this cave that, he, that he's in. And he's staying in this cave. He's trying to avoid what's outside the cave. Like you and I, sometimes we stay in our loneliness because and we're trying to avoid what's outside. But what we're doing is that we're missing out on of the adventures of life that are there before us, outside there before us. We're just hiding. And he's trying to find God as, as in this screaming sound of silence that he's in. You know, silence can scream at you. He's trying to determine, why am I here? Why am, what's going on in my life? And there's something that happened in this cave that I want you to see. There's a turning point that happened in this cave. God is doing something deep down inside of Elijah in this cave. You see, what comes out of the cave is not what went into the cave. Brings us to the third point. Loneliness can allow you to hear God. Loneliness can allow you to hear God. It's not all bad times of loneliness. God can use these times to speak to you. Sometimes the only time that you can have a real conversation with God is when you get away from the crowd and you get into a place of loneliness. Why do you think God has you here at this moment? Why do you think God has you here? It's because he wants to talk to you. He's got you here because there's something that he wants to tell you. Because maybe your life has been too noisy. Maybe your life has been too busy. Maybe it's been too fast or it's been too loud and, and you couldn't hear what God is trying to say to you. I know that many people in the initial lockdown and uh, where all of a sudden life just slowed down and everything stopped, they really enjoyed that. A lot of people say, well, it was great. We really loved lockdown. We really enjoyed lockdown. But remember... Elijah had a work to do. There was a mission to accomplish him. Uh, God had to get him to a place that he could speak to him because there was more that he had for his life. It was great to have a season of lockdown, but he was not able to stay in that season of lockdown because he was a destiny and there was a calling that God had over his life. So you don't come out of the cave the way that you went into the cave. God reordered a shift, a change, a move. A transformation, a reordering, a rethinking, a reevaluating of life. And so God asked Elijah, What are you doing here? God already knew what he was doing there. 
Elijah didn't need to inform God why he, why he was there. You know, we, when we pray, we're not informing God about anything. God already knows everything that we're praying about. But God's allowing Elijah here to evaluate himself. He's going through a little bit of therapy. It's like he's got him in the cave. He's got him on the couch there. And, and, and he's the therapist, you know, couch can be a little bit uncomfortable, starts to dig at things that are happening. You know, Elijah, what are you doing here? There's a digging that God is doing in his life. And then so Elijah starts to go through all this rhetoric of what's happened in his past, what's happened to his life, how he got to this point, and who doesn't like him, and who he had to outrun, and who he had to fight, and how he's not understood, and how he's living under the threat, and now they seek my life, and I, even I, I'm all alone, I'm all here by myself, and you can feel it in his words. He's saying, I shouldn't have to go through all of this, even I am alone. You know, I shouldn't be having to feel this way. I shouldn't be having to go through all of this stuff. And now they want to kill me. And God begins to deal with him. Verse 11. And the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Then Elijah heard it, and he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? There was a mighty wind. There was an earthquake. There was a fire. But God was not in the noisy moments of his life. God was not in the lightning. God was not in the earthquake. God was not in the fire. All of these things are essential things. All of these things that are, that are shaking your life now. All of these things that are filling your eyes. All of these things that are filling your ears. All these things that are filling your mind with, no, with noise. Flashing before your eyes. God is not necessarily in those things. And we can think that God's in it because everybody's clapping and it's a great big moment. Not necessarily so. Because when the earthquake is over... And the fire goes out, when all the crowds have gone, the people stop making all of the noise, then God says something. God said something, it wasn't loud, it wasn't boisterous, it wasn't flamboyant, there was no tambourines beating, there was no saints dancing, there was no jumping and jerking and shouting and hollering and talking in tongues, and there wasn't anything like that. How many times have we run after the thunder to find God and we find that God is not in it? There's none of that stuff that we associated with what God is like. See, God did not sound like we think God would sound like. He whispered. There was a still, small voice. And that's where the game changes. See, you can be so busy talking that you can't hear. You can be so busy rehearsing your story. Twice in this passage here, Elijah goes over and over his story, trying to tell God things that God already knew. God already knew his story. You know, do you think God needed to hear his story again? Do you think that God needs to, uh, you to tell him everything that's happening in your house, everything that's happening in your marriage, in your church, in your job, in your life? No, he doesn't. Be still and know that I am God. And finally he gets Elijah to shut up. And God says, I've got you here because I want to tell you something about the next stage for your life. Psalm 24, 25 verse 24 says this. 
says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. See, God's got secrets to tell you. He's got secrets to tell you about your purpose in life while you're here on this earth. Things that he wants to do through your life, he wants to share through your life. God's got secrets that he wants to tell you, but so often there is so much noise going on in our life, so much activity in our life, so much flashing before our eyes that we don't stop to hear the still small voice of God. And up until now, all we hear out of Elijah is this is wrong, that's wrong, that's, they aren't real, these people are hypocrites, they're not doing it right. That is what the trap of loneliness can do with your mind. You get all wrapped up in yourself. When God finally got through to whispering to, to, to Elijah, Elijah realized that, that his problem was not really about them. It was not about they, it was not about the threat of Jezebel, it was anything like that. God had all of that under control. See, when God speaks to him, God doesn't even speak to him about Jezebel. God doesn't even speak to him about the beating, defeating the prophets of Baal or outrunning the chariot. He doesn't say anything to him about hungry here God. He doesn't even talk to him about his isolation or, or confinement. When God speaks to him, he speaks to him, he says, I want you to head for Damascus. Take your oil with you. Because I'm going to take you from this cave that you're now in, and I'm going to take you to kings. Look at the passage here in verse 15. It says, And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram, and also anoint Jehu uh, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha to succeed you as a prophet. He said, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you to anoint Hazael to be king. I'm going to send you to anoint Jehu to be king. I'm going to take you away from this cave. I'm going to take you away from isolation. I'm going to take you from, away from loneliness. And I'm going to take you to kings. See, folks, step out of your isolation. Step out of your fears, your loneliness. See, see it can be a trap. God wants to take you from caves to kings. As COVID-19 restrictions begin to loosen up, I want to encourage you, get out again. Don't get trapped in loneliness. You know, get along to church for fellowship. You know that word fellowship is mentioned 20 times in the New Testament? I find like when God mentions something once, it's important. If he mentions it twice, like it's really, really important, he mentions it 20 times, fellowship in the New Testament. You need to have fellowship. God designed you for fellowship. You need to get out of the trap of loneliness and get amongst people and mix with people and socialize with people. God created us as humans that we are a people, that we are a social being. And if we get trapped in loneliness, we will find that all the effects of loneliness can distort our thinking, distort our minds. And stop us from reaching the fullness that God has got for our life. Join a small group for fellowship. Join it for support. Your life depends on it. It will release you into the purposes that God has got for your life. Amen. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, I just pray for each person here. Lord, I know that there may be some that even just listening this morning at home and you're a little bit trapped at home there. You're a bit frightened to get out, but frightened to come to church again but frightened to mix our God out again. Father, I just pray, God, Lord, that you would just touch each life. Lord, I just pray, God, Lord, that something of the whisper of God will come into our ear and something of the hunger of being with God's people, of fellowshipping together, O God, will draw us out because there we find strength, there we find relationship, there we find our destiny. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. 
Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.